0: Hello, credit union executives. Welcome to See You on the Show, where we give you up-to-date information on how you can reduce risk, keep key talent, and take a strategic approach to your personal financial wellness. Hosted by me, Doug English, a certified financial planner and former credit union insider with ACT Advisors. Welcome to See You on the Show. Today's guest is Lee Wetherington. Lee is a leading expert in the financial services industry. He directs the development of insights, forecasts, and strategy as the Senior Director of Corporate Strategy at Jack Henry. In this episode, we dive in to the recent Strategic Priorities Benchmark Study that Jack Henry completed, and we're looking through the data for actionable insights We get into open banking, uh, applications for generative AI, and the differences between the applications for the bank environment and the credit union movement. Listen in.
1: Well, Lee Weatherington, welcome to the show. We're uh, delighted that you're here and good to get to talk to you. So uh, as always, love to hear about how a person got connected to the credit union movement. So what are your origins of your connection to this uh, wonderful movement that we all serve?
2: Yeah. So for me, it's a family story. And I'm sure that's the origin of, of a lot of people's you know identification with the credit union movement. My wife's father worked for Georgia Power, which is a big utility in the state of Georgia where we're from. And um, in the town where we both and our families uh, grew up, they had uh, a credit union. Uh, the Georgia Power Valdosta Federal Credit Union, uh, quite a m- mouthful. But once uh, my wife and I were actually together, um, we started doing quite a bit with the credit union. In fact, my my father-in-law was chairman of that credit union uh, down in Valdosta for a long, long time. And, and so we were fairly active. We did a lot of, uh, obviously, our auto financing through the credit union and Say savings and the kids had accounts, you know that kind of thing. So um, that's where it started. Now, one thing of note that you might find interesting is that my father uh, was actually a banker. So whenever we would get together for holidays, it was a beautiful, delicious uh, time of conversation between <laughs> my father and my father-in-law about the the relative uh, credits, respectively, of uh, the credit union movement versus the banking uh, ecosystem. So. Anyway, I I got it honest both ways um, from both sides of the family, but uh, I've been a you know a, a big advocate um, of the credit union movement and believe very much in sort of the origins of of that that movement and and their story. So yeah,
1: since we're gonna start out with this beautiful crossover, thanks to you of taste words associated with credit unions. Let's just keep working that through our our discussion. We're going to talk about some delicious data points from the uh, (laughs) Jack Henry Annual Strategic Priorities Benchmark Survey of Credit Union CEOs. I saw you guys uh, put that out and and read that data and found it very interesting. So that's, that's what we wanted to talk about today. So tell us a little bit just you know, a little bit about your role at Jack Henry and then about that survey, please.
2: Yeah, sure. We're really excited about uh, that survey and and the findings. So I serve as Senior Director of Corporate Strategy at Jack Henry. And to tell you what that means practically is I'm the generalist on our team of strategy analysts. I'm really fortunate to work with a, a very capable team of really good human beings who are responsible for different domains that comprise Financial services, financial technology. So, for instance, we've—I've got a colleague who you know is responsible for all things payments. I have a colleague who's responsible for all things lending. I have a colleague who's responsible for all, all things digital banking, fintech, etc. So, we've got this fantastic team of uh, deep domain expertise, and then my job as the generalist is to take all of their analysis and tie it together into a comprehensive. Framework and picture for where we are, and then of course doing forecasting off of that uh, to where we're going. That's my job. I'm I'm the guy who's who's connecting dots between the different domains, and and that drives a lot of our corporate strategy. But we also try to share uh, the benefit of of all of this, not only our own analysis and our own primary research, but we also consume almost all of uh, the research from the major. Analyst houses, covering financial services, fintech, all of it. And so uh, it's a fun job because it's, it's just a fire hose every day. And then we try, to, we, we try to put together the best framework for making sense of that. And when it gets really exciting, you get to, you get to make connections that no one else has yet made. And suddenly, suddenly you get this epiphany and these light bulb moments. And it's a great gig. It, it's, a, it's a lot of fun.
1: But let's make that our appetizer, because you're serving both credit unions and banks. So you look across and can kind of contrast the two. And I know that's kind of part of what we're going to talk about. So starting with the survey, tell me about how big is the survey, how many credit unions and banks participate?
2: Yeah. So this year's strategic priorities benchmark, we surveyed 118 CEOs, of both credit unions and banks, and it was roughly 50-50. If anything, I think we had a few more credit union CEOs than we did bank CEOs completing that survey, but a very balanced 50-50. And by the way, we think it's really important fundamentally to have those different charters represented in this benchmark, because for those of of your listeners who aren't familiar with this language yet, we are very much in, in the middle of what's called ecosystem disruption. And that's very different than The industry disruption that we typically talk about, you know, in conferences and when whenever credit unions get together their leadership teams and their boards to to do strategic planning, typically we're talking about industry disruption. In other words, what new competitor has come into our industry and is taking away market share? And we should be concerned and what should we do about it? The border that defines or the, the line that defines our industry versus everything that's not in our industry has functionally disappeared at the hands of things like banking as a service, payments as a service, lending as a service, deposits as a service. So you now have, you have big tech companies, you have direct-to-consumer non-chartered fintechs, you have direct-to-consumer non-chartered neobanks, quote unquote, and they all are offering things that look and feel and smell, just like the products and services that credit unions offer. And so in that context, you're, you're completely disrupted. It's not just within your industry, Your industry as such is is not nearly as clearly defined as it once was. And so we think that it's not only incumbent upon a credit union to understand what are banks doing and why are they doing that and why are they prioritizing XYZ or why are they pouring their tech budgets into XYZ technology. It's also important to understand everybody outside of the chartered financial institution industry and how they're using banking as a service to compete. What's their end game? Because they're, they're, most of those players are playing a completely different game than the average credit union or even the average bank. And so that's what we call a Jack Henry ecosystem strategy. It's where you're using a much wider lens to do your strategy work. And without that, you're, you're operating and, and you're making strategy in the context of huge blind spots. Uh, that, that materially dampen your odds of success, even if you're executing on what the old game used to be in terms of just a tightly defined um, industry. So there's a lot of different
1: angles for us to look at, but let's just start out with what's the differences that you notice in the data between the priorities of credit unions and banks and takeaways from
2: that? The differences are really where uh, it gets interesting. That's where the fun is um, for us when we're, we're looking at those results each year. And this is, this is a, an annual piece of primary research we field among uh, the CEOs of our credit unions and our banks at Jack Henry, just to, to make sure we're, we're clear about that. And we're trying to ask questions that are not only strategic, but have also not been asked by anybody else. In terms of the differences, let's talk about those first. So this year, writ large, it's no surprise that in aggregate, all financial institutions, deposits are a big concern, right? Deposit acquisition, deposit protection, deposit retention. Uh, Obviously, we're in the middle of um, a deposit churn, uh, rate wars, all that kind of thing. So that's not a surprise. However, that really is the bank headline. But according to our credit union CEOs, that was not, is not the number one strategic priority and concern for 2023 and 2024. In fact, our credit union CEO said data was their number one strategic priority for 2023 and 2024. And throughout the questions that we asked in the survey, we kept seeing this being rounded back to an outsized priority by credit unions on data and more specifically using data to acquire members, to retain members, and to improve member experience uh, across the spectrum. And so I think, in my mind, that is a really important distinction and difference between the lenses right now of credit unions on the one hand and banks on the other. And for my money, and, and unless you've been in a hole for the last six months, I mean, it, it's really important that you, if we're all thinking about what are the implications of things like Generative AI for financial services. Is it a leveler or is it one that's going to disproportionately um, be an advantage for those largest financial institutions in the country who have the most data to feed those large language models that give you things like chat GPT and these other really cool generative AI applications that we see? And we can we can drill down on that if you want, but at a at a at a really broad scope level. Uh, that, to me, was the most most interesting finding um, from our study, that difference.
1: The study's gone on for a while, so I, I assume you have paid attention to those trends. Is, is that a 2023 change, or is that something that has been development?
2: Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely, absolutely it is. Now, I'll say historically that if you go back longitudinally and look at our survey instrument over the last several years, Credit unions have always been a little bit more data centric. And the reason for that is because they consider it a leveler. Remember, the average uh, size of a credit union in the United States is still appreciably smaller than the average size of even a bank in the United States. So I think credit unions have always thought, well, uh, we're member driven. We want to know our members better uh, or as best we can. And we want that knowledge to inform everything we do in terms of rendering service personally, digitally, or otherwise to those members. So it's always been a a marker for credit unions uh, relative to banks. But this year, it was just disproportionately so. And I think it's becoming conspicuously important, uh, uh, a differentiator, especially given now this new power of AI that is broadly in the hands of everyone. And everybody's trying to figure out how to make the highest and best um, use of that. If you go back in, in our survey, if you look at 2021, what was the number one strategic priority? It was, it was digital, right? We were fast forwarded by the pandemic into whatever version or whatever qualifies as digital transformation, you know, at your credit union. Then you, you go to 2022 and suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, we're sitting on all of these deposits that have flooded in from uh, government funding uh, through, through the pandemic. Everybody's, you know, sitting on trillions of dollars, literally, of more, more in deposits. The average credit union had enough deposits on hand 18 months ago to fund three or four years worth of loan growth. That was, so that was last year. We had all these deposits. So lending was the number one priority in 2022. And then suddenly you, by the time we get into 2023 with the rate hikes and the the cascade of inflection points in 2022, suddenly it's flip-flop and and everybody's like, oh my gosh, where are my deposits going? Where, Where is that big fat buffer uh, that we had to, to feed lending and now deposits. Now, again, credit unions still prioritize uh, deposits. But this is an important distinction as well. Credit unions as a group did not experience a total decline in deposits in 2022, whereas banks did. This is something that a lot of people don't know. But according to the FDIC, the, entire, the entirety of the deposit pie on the bank side contracted for the first time in 80 years in 2022. So no wonder uh, that bank CEOs in our survey are saying, man, we gotta, we're got we totally concentrated on deposits this year, whereas credit unions are like, well, yeah, that's important, but we really want to lever data to level the playing field with not just banks, but these other ecosystem disruptors that we're now competing against so that we can differentiate on the people helping people movement driven by the latest technology that helps us realize that movement's ethos uh, better than ever, ever, at any point in the history of credit union.
1: Well That is really interesting. Because I'm immediately wondering, I'm assuming the data is there that probably banks have probably a lot higher percentage commercial deposits. And yes. is there, do you have any breakout between commercial and uh, retail?
2: Well, I can't tell you just off the top of my head what that per, that this percentage differences are, but I can give you what I consider to be uh, the most telling um, thing that is largely unknown about deposits among both credit unions and banks, by the way. But this is particularly important to credit unions. In the average financial institution, it doesn't matter whether it's credit union or bank, in the average financial institution in the United States, somewhere between 13 And 35% of retail checking accounts are being used to run micro and small businesses. This is everything from independent contractors, solo entrepreneurs. Uh, By the way, you know, just a reminder to everybody, 80% of all small businesses in the United States are a single-person entity. It's somebody that might be running a side hustle, somebody who maybe does Uber in their off hours. Uh, um, somebody that's just got a side hustle of one form or another. And what credit unions have really awakened to, and this gets us back to a, another interesting finding in the survey, is that all of those camouflaged small and micro businesses that are sitting in your retail DDA accounts uh, and share draft accounts of the credit union, um, when they, it comes to something as simple as just collecting payments as a micro business or a small business, Usually the average retail share draft account at a credit union doesn't give them that capability. So what do they do? They go to a third party. They go to a PayPal. They go to a a block, formerly called Square. They go to Venmo, whatever, to collect those payments. And here's the thing that will blow your mind, Doug, is that when those camouflaged uh, consumer members are using third-party apps to collect their small and micro business payments do them, only one out of every $8 that they're collecting outside the credit union ever makes its way back to the credit union share draft account. Only one out of every $8. Now, let me tell you the blind spot that creates, right? You now have credit unions thinking, oh, it's okay, we still have the primary checking relationship for this member. Everything's fine. They're not looking at payment flows. They're not doing analysis and seeing uh, just the, the sheer quantities of, of of deposits that either leave their credit union and go to a PayPal or go to uh, some of these third parties, but they're certainly completely blind to what's being collected outside of the uh, of the credit union and never making its way back. Why they don't even know that these retail members of the credit union are small businesses. They don't even know that because they haven't done the basic payments flow analysis to surface that information. Back to the survey, that's why, uh, to our astonishment, 65% of all financial institutions, including credit union, are prioritizing expanding services to small businesses this year and next year, 65%. The other thing driving that is that because of all the downward pressure on driving and realizing revenue, from providing retail financial services at the credit union. You think about all the downward pressure on overdraft fees, on insufficient funds fees, you go on down to, you know, the, the scrutiny that the, the CFPB is bringing to bear there. Um, the challenge now that we're looking at from a, a legal and a regulatory standpoint that may be coming on uh, uh, interchange revenue on your cards. All of that has really forced credit unions to think very strategically about what has heretofore been a big blind spot And really getting serious about serving micro and small businesses, which, like I said, are already a substantial number of them are sitting camouflaged in the existing member base.
1: Is there a suggested action step to become aware of that data and how how to think about that in your own institution?
2: Yeah, very, very simple. Do some basic analysis on payment inflows and outflows to find out, see what percentage... Of, of, of deposit inflow and outflow activity do you have going on between your credit union and PayPal? Do you have going on between your credit union and Block, formerly known as Square? Do you have between your credit union and Venmo? Uh, be- between your credit union and Intuit, um, for that matter. And that will give you, by the way, uh, gird yourself because when you do that analysis, it's going to be an epiphany. It is going to uh, both blow your mind and scare you to death, I guarantee it i 've seen it over and over and over again, but yeah, action step number one is do the basic payments flow analysis to understand what 's coming in and out of your credit union in terms of of payments and by the way, uh, Doug, I grew up in payments. I cut my teeth um, at a payment spintech uh, this is you know thirty years ago now and We have a word for what you call an incoming payment today, and that word is deposit. (laughs) So if you're you're at all concerned about deposits, which seems to be the writ large strategic priority of 2023, um, then you want to understand more about your deposit inflows and outflows. Um, We talk a lot about concern about rapid deposit outflows, given the, the bank failures that happened earlier this year. What about deposit inflows? Where, where is that traffic coming from and going to? If you can't answer that basic question, you're operating with a massive strategic blind spot that maps to the number one strategic priority for this year. next.
1: Very, very interesting. Thank, thank you for that. That's just the, the first point on our discussion is, is, uh, is how big a takeaway that is. So let's kind of go into the other uh, takeaways from the survey, like things that credit unions are, are worried about and how that compares to to banks uh, and just other ideas that uh, you're bringing to your customers for, okay, here's the data, here's the best possible use of this data in your situation. So let, let's go into that.
2: Yeah, so uh, staying on that theme of data, What is the the biggest challenge for not just the average member, but the average American uh, when it comes to money in the United States this year? Um, It's financial fragmentation. Let me give you the statistic to bear that out. The average American has relationships with between 15 and 20 different financial service providers and financial apps, 15 to 20. Let me put that another way the average smartphone in the United States has 14 different financial apps on it. What do we mean by financial app? Any app that you use to store money, move money, pay for things, et cetera, uh, qualifies. So everybody knows about Cash app and Venmo and PayPal and, you know, but what about Coinbase? What about wherever your, your 527 college fund is? What about wherever you have a 401k? What about wherever you have your investments? You know, do you have a Coinbase account, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. People initially, when I, I tell them this number, I like, no, I'm nowhere near 1520. Then they take three minutes to do a, a really quick inventory and they realize, oh my gosh, I'm quickly into double digits just with some some mental math. There's this great paradox about how we got here to this picture of financial fragmentation. The reason why this is important is because credit unions say, look, we're all about our members and we're specifically about our members' financial health. Well, you can't get to financial health if you don't know where you are with your money because it's scattered across 15 to 20 financial service providers. This is what we call financial fragmentation. It is the biggest problem. It is the biggest challenge. And it's also the biggest opportunity for credit unions to solve. Now, how do you do that? How can you solve for all that fragmentation? Lee, are you saying that we can do something at the credit union that will magically make them drop all of those other you know, relationships and come running back to the credit union? No, that's absurd. That's delusional. But what you can do is you can achieve what, what I call, what we call First app status among those 15 to 20. Now, how do you do that? Well, you've got to be the app where meaning is made of all the other apps and where all the other money is for that particular member. How do you do that? Well, this is where we want to talk about open banking rails. We have the most mature open banking rails and open banking ecosystem in the United States versus the rest of the world. Open banking is the the system of financial data exchange platforms by and through which A given member can share information from a financial account over here and share it with another financial account over there. Sort of the best example of that is Venmo. If you're on Venmo, you're using open banking rails. You may not know that, but when you signed up for Venmo, you checked a little box and it allows a third party, Plaid in this instance, a financial data exchange platform. And Venmo is going to use Plaid to go back and all the way back to the credit union and check your share draft account to see if you're good for the money you're about to P2P to someone else, right? That's an open, that's an application of an open banking rail. Now, zoom out and think about that writ large. Here's the, here's the biggest opportunity for credit unions this year and next, and actually for the next several years. It's to lever those open banking rails to give your member a solid, full, comprehensive, and comprehensible picture of all of that money that is otherwise hopelessly fragmented across 15 to 20 different apps. Now, I I mentioned to you before, there's 14 financial apps on the average smartphone. Doug, do you want to know the average amount of time the average person spends on each of those financial apps when they log in? Three seconds. Now, what are they doing in three seconds? They're like, well, how much money do I have in this one? Okay, great. How much money do I have in that one? Great. Close it out. How much money do I have over here? That's ridiculous. They can't get a bead a full bead on the full picture of their money scattered across those apps. So credit unions, the, the biggest thing and the, and the most powerful thing they can do is they can solve for that financial fragmentation by plumbing into the open banking rails. That would be uh, not only Plaid, but like MasterCard's Finicity, uh, Acquia, Yodli, uh, Intuit itself is a big financial data exchange platform. Your digital banking platform at the credit union needs to be fully plumbed into these open banking rails because they're all standardized on apis by the way this is a much safer way uh, to to share and exchange financial data for the member versus screen scraping we'll get to that in a minute but this eliminates inbound screen scraping for credit unions at the same time when you when you plumb into those uh the, the the basic the plumbing of open banking in the united states you can replace inbound screen scraping, which causes all kinds of problems, it exposes every credit union in the country to all manner of cybersecurity threats and a different new zero-day vectors on the credit union. And you replace that with um, uh, uh, standardized secured APIs that no longer requires the member to share their username and password with third parties anymore, Right. That's a huge deal. So it's win after win after win. your, Your show is about big ideas. I'm giving you the biggest idea and opportunity there is for credit unions. Plumb into open banking rails, aggregate all of that otherwise hopelessly fragmented money information for members, bring it all into one place. When you give them the comprehensive picture, guess what? They're much more likely to act on a next best product or service recommendation when it's based on the whole picture and it's comprehensible to them at the credit union. And by the way, it's more meaningful through the lens that the credit union can provide than it is uh, going, you know, app to app for three seconds trying to put that picture together to make very simple day-to-day decisions. Um, it just doesn't work that way.
1: That would be an incredible member experience that I have not yet seen in my credit union relationships, but I, I am optimistic. Are there credit unions that are executing on this that you can, uh, that you can talk at least a little bit about so uh, my listeners can talk to them and, and see how they've uh, figured this out?
2: That's a great question. I'm not, I'm not going to name credit unions right now just simply because I don't want them to be deluged. This is happening already today at scale. Uh, With credit unions, that uh, not just the large ones. I'm I'm talking about small, medium-sized credit unions are making this happen. The thing that credit unions need to to really begin thinking about, not just thinking about, asking about, if you want to talk about action, is is your digital banking platform plumbed into the open banking rails of the United States? That's step number one. Step number two is is it only into one financial data exchange platform, or are they plumbed into the all, all of the biggest ones, all of which I've I've already I've already mentioned. What does that look like at these credit unions who are today making this happen? That means that uh, the members using those credit unions' mobile apps and or online uh, banking applications are able to see at the credit union in one place, they're able to see all of the third-party entities with whom or through whom they're sharing their financial data. And here's the thing now, now Doug, it's not just making visible Uh, and transparent for the first time everywhere you're sharing your data all in one place. You now have toggles for each of those third parties. And the member inside the credit union's digital experience can go, you know what? No, I don't want to be sharing my financial uh, data any longer with that third party. I don't like them, I don't trust them, or I don't use them anymore. Toggle right here inside the credit union to toggle them off. So we're not just talking about visibility. And we're not just talking about understanding your money better and being able to act on next best product and service. It's literally empowering the member now to be able to turn on and off access to financial, their financial data at credit. And by the way, this is all in advance of what we expect the CFPB to begin requiring with its new open banking rule on Section 1033 of the Dodd-Frank Act that's going to come out this year and be effective next year in 2020.
1: I hope uh, to see that kind of data sharing and that kind of power across credit unions. I know that would be incredible. I don't have anything in even remotely like that in, in any place that I'm, I'm doing my personal banking, and that'd be truly amazing. Like, that is a heck of a vision for credit unions to try to achieve. Early in our conversation, you mentioned. The buzzword these days, which is the generative AI. How are you uh, starting to think about credit unions incorporating that technology into the
2: member experience? This is a beautiful question for you to ask, Doug, and it actually is a, a perfect bookend to where we started in terms of the differences in the priorities of credit union CEOs in 2023 and 2024. I'm um, centering on data. What do you have to have to do anything to? to, to To do anything successfully with any AI application, any application of generative AI, you have to have a massive data set. That's where now credit unions uh, who know that and who are keenly focused on data strategy as is borne out by our own survey are now worried that, wait a minute, we're only individually a small credit union. Do we have enough data materially to train a large language model to do anything meaningful for our members. Okay, this is where it gets really good. You're a credit union, right? So you're about collaboration. Uh, It's about the movement. You're not alone, right? Credit unions work well together. Credit unions can pool their data, anonymize it, and feed these large language models. But here's what's interesting about generative AI. There are already FinTechs out there who are using generative AI to create synthetic data that has a profile that is exactly like a a small batch of real data that has been anonymized. So now this is gonna blow your mind. Generative AI can feed itself. So in other words, generative AI can produce enough data synthetically which is identical in profile to a smaller real data set that has been anonymized to feed a large language model that then makes the applications of the generative AI coming out of that for a particular credit union and its members, unbelievably relevant and accurate. You could drive personalization, et cetera. Now, let me give you the first use case that we're seeing already, and you will see it um, here. The credit union movement is about people helping people. I think where credit unions have been a little bit frustrated in the past four years is they've been focused on data and they've been using data to do things with chatbots. Chatbots unleashed without mitigation or without the right management of expectations to members is actually uh, degrading to member experience. And frustration bot, yeah. It adds frustration, right? That's what, that's what megabanks do. Mega banks go, no, we're going to force, you got to jump through all of the self-service hoops and all of the self-service technologies and wrestle with our chatbots before we will reveal to you the magic way to talk to a real human being and finally get your money moment of need, uh, uh, moment of need resolved. Credit unions are about people helping people. So how will generative AI, this is the real question to ask for 2023, how will generative AI help credit unions more fully realize the people helping people and it's in the following way. And this is the way credit unions are going to differentiate. And this is the way credit unions are going to, are going to win, is that um, credit unions are going to use uh, generative AI on the back end. That is to say what the credit union staff member can see. So when a credit union member has a money moment of need, a curiosity, a problem, maybe they see a, a transaction they don't recognize and they're having a mini panic because they're thinking, oh my gosh, this is fraud. They can tap inside that mobile app. A single tap connects them to a real live human being at the credit union. This is people helping people. But the person on the side of the credit union is now has got has got not only um, full access to the credit union member's information and data. The problem that comes in through that authenticated chat channel, let's call it, that's baked into the mobile banking application or the digital banking application. Uh, generative AI is going to be suggesting. Then The best answer to the question to the person on the credit union side, the human being at the credit union is going to decide, yeah, that's the right best answer to give right away. Or they're going to say, no, that's not correct. I need to tweak this answer just a bit. Boom, now send it on. What I just described to you is going to increase the quality and the velocity of personal service rendered by credit unions across a greater number of members in shorter amounts of time. It's going to improve quality and velocity of people helping people at their respective moments of need. Generative AI in that context and in that use case is going to do that very thing, and that's huge. And that's why I think credit union C- CEOs are right to be focused on data, data strategy, machine learning, uh, what's required in. in, in by the way, we're also moving into the a world of real-time payments. The Federal Reserve right now is launching um the first new big public payment trail in 40 years in the way of Fed now. And so now you've got to be able to do things with uh you've got to be able to do analytics in real time if you're gonna hope to have a chance at containing real-time fraud that comes with real-time payments. All that presumes that you've got your data in the right form, in the right places inside of systems that can talk to each other in real time. This is what we now talk about, streaming APIs versus REST APIs. But all of that requires strategy, it requires thought, and it begins with data to do all of those things and to realize that turbocharging of the credit union movement.
1: That idea of having staff be able to get generative AI to look through the members' data and be able to suggest and action for the member is that that is that is exactly the kind of content I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to talk about because that is the bold idea that I think is a wow moment for a member experience. I know you may not be able to name names, but it's, this seems very, very recent for someone to have been actually able to uh, act on it. Have you seen credit unions uh, actually be able to actualize what you just described?
2: you will see before the end of the year, you will see in the wild, these applications of generative AI in the back office, helping credit union human beings and staff help members live in real time in their moments of need in both synchronous and asynchronous support um, in the digital context. You will see that before the end of this year. And here's the thing, the credit unions who are already sitting on not just several years' worth of communications uh, data with their members through digital channels, but those that have especially structured that data, there's something called augmented chat, which is uh, authenticated chat baked inside of digital banking and mobile banking applications, where, think about this, the member, if they see that transaction they don't recognize, and they're suddenly feeling like, Oh my gosh, I've been had, I've been defrauded. How much damage is this going to, how much pain am I going to be in? They tap a button. Um, and instead of having to describe to, with typing, right? Instead of having to describe, well, it's this transaction on this date for this amount. And this is the one I don't recognize. All that stuff that you also have to verbally, if you, if you were to call into the credit union, you have to explain all of that. By the way, after identifying yourself and trying to remember account numbers and all of that, all of that goes away in augmented chat, which is to say the member can go, oh, I don't recognize that transaction. Or, oh my gosh, I don't recognize this other transaction too. Tap, tap, attach the transactions to a real live conversation, uh, uh, authenticated augmented chat conversation going on with the credit union. So now they don't have to describe anything. They don't have to type anything. They're just like tap, tap. Any noun inside of that mobile banking or digital banking experience can literally be attached to the conversation to expedite reference and resolution by the human being on the credit union side. Like I said before end of year, credit union human being is going to be made a superpower human being by the likes of generative AI. So my point is that for those credit unions who had augmented chat, where these years worth of, of conversational uh, data between credit union and credit union member are structured by the attachments in the conversation. This is a very big deal. They're going to be way ahead of the game when they now are using that data to train a generative AI model that now is suggesting very accurate, very personalized, um, next best answers as credit union members are coming in with their moments of need.
1: you really painted an incredible incredible picture of a member experience and a member interface that i hope our industry is is able to get to i can imagine that a lot of our listeners may see that as a great distance from where they are now a great distance from from the uh, user experience that the members are having and and almost an insurmountable distance so if you can put yourself in, in those executives shoes Mm-hmm. That uh, there may be a smaller credit union, or, or one where the board has not uh, empowered that much of a digital
2: drive. Where would you start? What I'm describing to you, if if a given credit union or any financial institution, for that matter, actually, irrespective of size, had to do what I just described to you on their own, it would literally be almost impossible. Uh, that lift would be too heavy. And it is too heavy for any given, not just a small credit union, any credit union, any bank for that matter. Um, This is all about your partners. This is all about, um, like I said, ask your digital banking platform provider, are you plumbed into open banking rails? What are you doing? Uh, uh, Can I use those same open banking rails to defragment my members' uh, uh, money lives and, and aggregate everything securely, safely, and reliably back to the credit union? Okay. Once I've got all of that data, guess what? The credit union we talked to earlier about—hey, how would a credit union know that you know, uh, uh, 13 to 35 percent of their members are using third-party apps and are collecting all these deposits that never make it way their way back to the credit? And once the credit union, through their digital banking platform, is is fully plumbed into open banking, and they're aggregating all that information for each member back to the credit, the credit union doesn't have to guess anymore whether they're the primary financial service provider or not or whether they have the primary checking account. They've got literally definitive, absolute, and comprehensive business intelligence on everything their members are doing with every other kind of financial service provider out there. Now you've got a feedback loop to begin iterating on product service improvements or additions um, as a credit union. So back to the CEO is going, man, this guy, why is this guy talking so much? And I can, We can never get to everything that he's describing. No, no, no. You just have to partner with the right platforms with the right vision and the right strategy who have already made headway in augmented uh, chat, not just regular chat, authenticated, augmented uh, chat that's native and inside of your digital banking channels and mobile apps, right? You've got to make sure that your digital banking provider is fully plumbed into the open banking rails so that you can eliminate inbound screen scraping so that you can uh, help members aggregate their otherwise hopelessly fragmented lives back to the credit union. By doing so, achieving first app status, you're now back in the driver's seat. You're now in a, you're, you're, you're bringing meaning back to that relationship with the member, right? You're not just checking a box or just sitting on your laurels thinking you're still the primary checking account. All of that is doable. And by the way, this is not, uh, a lot of this is, the best digital banking platforms are doing a lot of these things and they're and a lot of what i've described is just is just a part of what you get it's not add on there's not an expense right it's just these digital platforms are all at war with each other trying to be the best digital plat- the platform of choice in the future and so a lot of this infrastructure in terms of open banking in terms of Generative AI applications on the data that you already have, or the data can be, that can be synthetically generated for you uh, to help feed, feed and train models that are specific to your credit union and your members. All of that is within reach. Um, it is not out of reach. In fact, like I said, uh, and we can talk later and you can say, Lee, this either happened or didn't happen. Uh, everything I just described here in this conversation, credit unions will be doing uh, before the end of this year. All of it, some of it they're already doing. Um, but the, the generative AI applications will be coming online um, literally in the next few months, and you will see this and begin to point to and learn from other credit unions that are doing this. You
1: know, uh, Lee, it's just absolutely fascinating. Uh, cutting-edge uh, ideas that you provided here, and, and I do. I want to uh, kind of uh, on air have a, an offer that I would like to have that discussion. I, if you have a credit union executive or two. That implements this and creates this uh, user interface that does what you described. I'd like to circle back and be able to have a conversation with them about. All right, let, let, let's talk about the process of going from here to there. Uh, let, let's get into the details. Of we can we
2: can absolutely do that. That's not a problem. We can make that happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. I want to make sure it's it's uh, it's actionable by our, our listeners. So uh, let, let's go back to the survey and give the listeners uh, some idea of how to get a hold of the survey uh, if they want to kind of see where this conversation began and look at the data that drove us to get into these, these bold ideas. How do they get a hold of the, uh, the Jack Henry survey?
2: Yeah, the survey is available uh, for any and everybody. Um, I'll give you two different ways. Um, one is you can go to jackhenry.com and you can go to our resource center and you'll see it sort of. Top right there at the top, you'll you'll see uh, 2023 strategic priorities benchmark, and you click on that, and it'll take you to the the site. Um, if that's too much for you to remember, just go Google uh, Jack Henry 2023 strategic priorities benchmark, and you'll get to the same spot. Um, and it'll just ask for your name and an email address. You can download the full report. We didn't scratch the surface of what's in there, but um, uh, you'll find uh, you've got. Uh, the, the sort of executive summary findings up front, if you don't want to read the whole thing, but it is a it is a I don't know it's forty plus page document, all the charts with uh, and by the way the responses compare and contrast between credit union CEOs and bank CEOs. That's really where the 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 juice is. That's really where the value is. So uh, you know, pay attention to that, and then you've got recommendations um, at the end. If you just want to fast forward to. The way we see all of this, uh, where we are, where we're going, and um, you know what matters most next in the in the next couple of years, all of that is is simplified for you in the front and the back end.
1: Awesome, Lee uh, Lee Weatherington with Jack Henry. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for your bold ideas to push the credit union uh, movement forward. I cannot wait for my uh, banking interface to look just like you described. I think that is an exciting vision. And I want to come back and and talk to someone that has created that vision for their members so that we can really make this tangible and actionable by the credit union. Thanks so much, Lee.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much, Doug.
0: That's all the insider credit union knowledge we have for this episode. Are you enjoying the conversation? Be sure to subscribe and share your thoughts with other credit union leaders by leaving us a review. See you next time on See You on the Show. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual security. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly.